Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at Rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. So I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit include rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio. Sign up today and start rotoballing like a boss. back everybody to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 96. We are going to be uh, recapping your week 25 fab action as always so make sure you check out that good stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Pediatric and my co-host is always on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing my friend? Uh, we're doing pretty well Bubba. You know, just got like, you know, our three weeks left to go. I know we're excited to kind of, it's like, you know, the the push and pull of being excited to be done and take a little bit of a breather from just baseball uh, all the time to being excited for the last couple of weeks and a lot of anxiety about like how all the leagues will finish up. So it's a, jum- a jumble of emotions tonight. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. I'm watching a couple teams start to fall because pitching has been so unbearably horrible, like insanely horrible. I just can't. I'm blowing up ratios left and right where I thought I had so much wiggle room. It doesn't matter because these guys are so bad. It's just been yeah it's been special trying to get wins and strikeouts has been not been a fun thing so that'll be a big off-season thing like wins you can't predict but strikeouts i'm much more focused on uh big time cameras i thought i was but we can talk about that when we recap stuff later in the year but uh that that's the big issue right now we're really struggling to just hang on hang on to the money folks that's what, that's what i'm looking for like it's the first time in my oc qualifier that i've fallen out of first place i go back and forth between first and second place like every other day mm. we, we go back like we're right on the edge of stuff so that like, and that one's like a, a winner go home, right? Yes, yes. Thing, yeah. yeah. So it's like so much fun there, but um, it's literally I was like in second place for most last week, and then I had a big Sunday, so back in first place. But then today, like right now, I'm like back in second place, so it's just like back and forth. It's painful, painful stuff. But uh, we move on, we move on, and see where that goes. And what part of that moving on is is Fab Weekly, which has been so much fun, and it's been 
it's getting close to the end where you're going to run out of money soon. Like we talked about last week, trying to save money to make moves all the way to the end. And we'll talk about some moves we made this week when we recap stuff where you're probably surprised that these moves went through. But I've seen some big names that are out of cash already because they're going for it also. And you're at the point where I kind of get it with a couple weeks left. You're kind of planning ahead for your last few weeks and barring crazy injuries. This is this is what it is type stuff. So like I know Toby's talking about it, he'll talk about it again probably that um, there are some moves you can make the last week to kind of hit, hit, mix and match certain specific categories on things. But for the most part, your large chunk of moves is pretty much happening this past week or this weekend. That's for me, at least that's my thought process there. So let's get at it. The top added player in the NFBC this week because of his two-step, and it was quite the first two-step, is Luis Elo. He was picked up in 165 leagues, as high as $52. His first outing was not the most, uh, I'd say, pretty is a nice way I'd say it. The strikeouts were amazing, so I was happy in the league. I can't remember which league I got him in now, but um, I grabbed him because I need to strike out some wins. He did not get the win, but he still managed to go six innings giving up five runs on three home runs that struck out eight. And those five runs happened in the first couple innings. So I was over the moon. They just let him keep going. I was like, thank you, sweet baby Jesus, that you did this because he made it a respectable start, I guess, with all the strikeouts. So what's your thoughts on Luis Eel? Because we kind of know what we're getting. It's best of both worlds. We've seen tons of walks. We've seen tons of strikeouts. Every once in a while, he puts it all together. Yeah, um, Bubba, I'm already doing better tonight. Uh, Sal Perez just hit a three-run home yep. run. So As we started recording. Uh, I got the my update. God, let's celebrate. I should have worn my Royals hat. That's what's coming next, ladies and gentlemen, the Royals hat. Um, but yeah, with Heal, I, I was definitely interested in him just because with strikeouts, I mean, you had to feel like he was probably your best bet with strikeouts. You know, the question, the concern was the walks. I know before his la- this past outing, um, his control had been horrendous, but it's he's had issues. Like he had seven walks two games ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had four walks before that. So the whip was a little bit in danger. But at this point in the season, you kind of got to go. Like if you see some skills, then you just kind of got to roll with it if you're in that position. I did not get him though because I, I knew I wasn't going to get him because I, I felt like he would be higher in the bids. You know, I think I had some $6 bids in there for him. But um, but not high enough. And so, you know, I, I didn't get him. But obviously, with a guy with his skills playing for the Yankees, as good a shot as you're going to get for wins, although he, he did, he couldn't go five the last two times out. It wasn't because they weren't letting him go deep into games. It was just because of the control issues. Like he faced, I think, 20 batters and 19 batters or something like that. So he had the opportunity. He just wasn't performing. And I think especially after that first inning, you have to be pretty pleased. You know, your ratios aren't going to move a ton with five earned run and six innings pitch. You're really trying to stay away from those massive blowups. And so to give you seven Ks in addition to that, I think you have to be happy and knowing that he's got a decent matchup against Cleveland coming up in his next game as well. Yep, 100% with you. I was worried it was going to be the two innings, five earned, like three Ks. I'm like, oh, this is horrible again. But the fact they let him go was great. Great matchup for Cleveland coming up. He's filling in Tyon's role because Tyon went, went on the IL. So, he should get at least one more start next week. We'll see how that goes. Um, I, I like the stuff. So I'm rolling with him for now, obviously. I need him, and I'm hoping, you know, we saw the most batters he's facing in any game this last time out. He went six innings for only the second time. So there, there was point, things pointing to some positivity, even though he gave it the five runs, which were all in the long ball early in the game. He just, they were feasting on saying Sano, Donaldson, and Polanco or something. All took him deep. And it's like, well, at least those are respectable names. Those are guys that are taking everybody deep. It wasn't like a fluky one, I guess. So. I'll take it. I'm excited to see what he could do the next uh, start against Cleveland and see if 
it was really worth the if the juice was worth the squeeze on this one. Ooh, juice juice worth the squeeze. I like it. Yep, yep. We got all kinds of fun metaphors coming out to everybody tonight. Um, the next most added player this past week, Lane Thomas of the Washington Nationals, picked up in 141 leagues, as high as $63. Kind of surprised he was available in so many leagues. I figured deeper leagues he'd be pretty much swiped up, but he was out there for sure, definitely in 12-team leagues. He's been leading off pretty much every day, especially with uh, Victor Robles going back to the minor leagues. He hit two more hits on Tuesday night. Gives him 14 games out of his last 16. He's picked up a base hit. He's uh, setting the table. He's scoring runs. He walks quite a bit. A little bit of pop. He's just a little bit of everything, not stealing a ton, but super, super doable and usable. So I, I grabbed Lane in a couple spots as well. Yeah, we we talked about him, I think, the last two shows. Um, really like the profile, like where he's hitting. He's just one of those guys with, with that profile and with the number of plate appearances he's going to play hitting leadoff that – He's going to help a lot of teams down the stretch like he did today with with two runs and two hits, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, so I don't have much more to say on on that one because we've kind of covered him in, in depth. But he's the type of guy that can contribute down the stretch here. No doubt about it. I think he'll be important. to be fun. A lot of these names that are kind of getting added now, they have a little bit of interest to see how they finish because it might depend on where they go next year type things because if they could set the tone as well. So that'll be fun with a guy like Lane Thomas. Uh, next up, we talked about Joe Ryan quite a bit last week. I think everyone that didn't add him last week got him this week. 135 leagues as high as $112. He left today's start after getting hit by a line drive, a comebacker. X-rays were negative. They're pretty much optimistic that he'll be okay, but we'll have to wait and see on that one because there's no reason to rush anything back with Joe Ryan. So, like I said, we talked about him a lot last week. Did you have anything else on Joe Ryan? Nothing to add on Joe Ryan. Um you know, he looks really good. Obviously, the BABIP, I think it was like 100 entering today, was really, really low. Um, and But I think this, the strand rate was also um, pretty low as well. So he looks really good. He's a guy to look look at for next year for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the next most added player on this list was Paulo Espino, picked up in 130 leagues as high as $51. This is a guy that I've had issues with off and on all season because he has really good little stints going, then in stints where he can't do anything but basically put it on a tee for people. He's back to being serviceable is the best way I'll say. His last four starts, five innings or more in each start, two or runs or less than three or four. And more importantly, something he's doing consistently each time out is he's striking guys out. He got at least five Ks in each start. So that's a point in the right direction. He had two starts this week. Any thoughts on Espino going into this week and maybe forward the next couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, the Marlins pitcher – not Marlins. The Nat, the Nats pitchers are going to be, I think, really helpful um, down the stretch here. You had Espino. He had Miami, and he didn't get the win because Sandy Alcantara is just unbelievably good. Yeah. Uh, but Espino pitched well yesterday, so he's got – my, he had uh, the Marlins yesterday pitched well, and then he's got Colorado at home to end the week. So I think that says a lot of what you need to know about why Espino is in there. And then he's got a matchup next week against the at the Reds. So not great. You probably want to drop him after this week. But the Reds have been struggling a little bit, although you know more so versus lefties than righties. But this week, I think that's glorious. I even I even have him in a in a 12-teamer, I have Espino in, in my lineup just because I need volume more than I need ratios at this point in time. Yeah, no, and he's, he's definitely doing that. I'm kind of – part of me wishes I stuck with him. Part of me, I'm glad I got rid of him when I did because the ratios were destroying me then, but now ratios be damned. So that's kind of a, a fun angle as well. But kind of I'm trying to figure out what changed his his strikeout upside of late, and I can't pinpoint it just at this quick look because the pitch match has pretty much been the same since – 
last six or seven starts, he basically went from being like a two and a half pitch pitcher to a four pitch pitcher, at least a three pitch pitcher, which maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. He's using the curveball more to go with the fast, or using the slider more to go with the curveball fastball. He used to be almost just curveball fastball for a while there. So I don't know. We'll have to kind of see more of that later on, but it'd be interesting to see what he did. It's that's interesting because a guy who's very similar, who's not on the list, but I'm going to mention as somebody I picked up in a bunch of places is Eric Fetty, who's yeah. looked really good recently. I mean, Espino, and this includes his last start. So you didn't know about this beforehand, but you look at his last five games, you know, his Z con his Z contact his in zone contact is at 85.1%. So right around league average, but that's actually really good for him because he's not a guy who dominates at all, right? He's not a hard thrower. So the fact that he's actually, league average in the zone is pretty good. That O swing is up at 36%. His K rate's at 29.2%, which is insanely good. He's gone through the roof all of a sudden. He was a pitch to contact guy. And now, even when he got blown up for four or five runs two starts ago, he sort of struck out like five or six. Like he's still getting strikeouts. Totally. Swinging strike rate at 12%, walk rate at 6.6%. And I think that's one of the things that I like about him is I think he's the type of guy next year at the end of DCs that's going to be a nice little ad just because he doesn't walk guys. And so even though the K rate is below league average, his K minus walk is right around league average, if not better. Um, and so I'm just going to take a really quick look here. If there's like been any changes in. Um... Yeah. So he's start. he's been using his fastball percentage less throughout the course of the season. Not dramatically. So recently, yeah, not really. It's pretty much just kind of scattered between like 40 and 60%. It's like, there's nothing consistent. At least that I saw looking at Savant right now. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm looking at fan graphs here. Okay. Let's it, see. It's mainly four seam curveball slider, anywhere from like 20 to 40%. And then the fastball about 40 to 60. It's a weird mm-hmm. dynamic right now. Yeah. It looks like relatively recently, at least from the fan graphs view, that the curveball is elevated, which I'm wondering if that's maybe his best pitch. Um, um, it's the one that definitely has like the most, the best expected yeah. stats by far. Yeah, yes. like, it's, it's got the big, best big... O swing, yeah. best swinging strike rate. So yeah. that might explain a little bit because even a slight bump in that, I think, can make a make a make a pretty good big dent. Yeah, no. So it's definitely something to monitor going forward. Yeah, you look at his starts. Actually, here you go. For instance, um, so like his last start. He had six Ks, four of them worth the curveball. Start before that, seven Ks, five of them with the curveball. Like he's yeah. definitely using that more to get the to get the guys out. So that's definitely something to, to keep in mind going forward and into the next year potentially, which is good. Uh Kevin Hastings, our buddy, has something in the chat here. He says guys off topic, but as guys that were on Salvi in draft season, I never thought I'd see a ball player more beloved in Kansas City than George Rep, but it's happening. Well, I'm happy for you, Kevin. I'm truly happy. I know Toby is as well. Yeah, we love Salvi on the pod. Yes. He's like pretty much our guy. Big Salvi fans. Big Salvi. It's going to be fun this offseason. Does Toby go to bat for JTR or does he come with me to the Salvi train? Which, which way is it going to oh, go? Man. Salvi, baby. Oh, listen, JTR, you guys, you guys I love heard you. it. I love you. you. Guys I will have, I As will he wears have, his Phillies hat. JTR is going to fall. <laughs> JTR is going to fall a lot. Oh, they're going to switch know, spots. In, 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 um, in draft seasons, drafts next season, you know, because the, the home run numbers were down. So JTR has, I mean, JTR has still has 14 home runs, 10 stolen bases. So, I mean, it's not, again, it's not the greatest thing of all time. His home run per fly ball rate is down closer to what his usual is. Um, he's got 26 barrels. So you'd expect him to have, you know, 14 home runs seems about right. So everything looks pretty good with JTR. We know he's been injured, you know, pretty much from the get-go this season, which is, which is a little sad, but 
you still should put up 500 plate appearances, 15, 10, 60, 60, you know, there's, there's a lot of value there. Um, oh, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see how far he, far he drops. Yeah, I'm not doubting him at all, and it'll be a fun discussion because then he can start throwing guys like Will Smith and some other catchers that have moved up also mm. and kind of start playing that game with the, with the positions. But uh, Salvi's going to take quite the, the leap, and it's going to be sad when I don't have him rostered pretty much anywhere next year because of the price tag. So we'll have to wait and see how that one goes. But let's talk about um, <laughs> Kevin. Exactly. Toby will still have both next year in opposite draft slots. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I will. I will absolutely do that. I have Jay, right. I have Salvi in so many leagues. It's unbelievable. And it well, brings me so much joy. He's crushing it. He's crushing it. That's for sure. Um, next up on the, the list here, AJ Alexia, the Texas Ranger guy, had in 120 leagues as high as $60. I want to know how those AJ Alexia owners felt when they saw him come out of the bullpen on uh, Monday night for three and two thirds innings. That was my biggest problem. I, I was, and he gave up six runs over that deal, walking four and striking out three. I looked into AJ Alexi, I looked into Taylor Hearn, I looked into Jordan Lyles. Lyles was outstanding on Tuesday against the Astros. He's been very good of late. So keep that in mind this next week. I looked into a lot of these Texas guys, but they're going six, almost seven man rotations. When you look at the roto wired thing, like they're just they're just using everybody right now. So there's really nothing set in stone. You're not going to get any two step guys. And the matchups were like Houston and the White Sox, as you said, because you're going into Texas this weekend. It's it wasn't great matchups and it was kind of up in the air on where they'd go. So maybe Alexi gets another bullpen spot and you're fine. But that whole setup, I was just like, I need pitchers, but I'm scared to take these pitchers because I don't know what we're getting. What's your thoughts on Alexi? Because he's going to, I don't see this changing in the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, he obviously struggled. So it's easy to say it would, would have been a bad decision to, to add him. Um, you know, now, now that we've seen what he no, was I'm not able saying to do. it because of, I'm not saying it because of that. I'm telling you why I didn't do it. It was because oh, yeah, of the whole yeah. situation. Well, I know. I just I, I feel the exact same way that you do. I just didn't want us to be like, oh, well, oh, look, the no, skills, the, the skills, no. the skills, the skills suck. So it was a bad, yeah, bad choice. No, you know, yeah, it's like not. the reason why I would have never started him is because he's going against Houston and the Whites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I mean, Houston and the White Sox two step from a guy who's got like yeah eight innings ever who does not have prospect pedigree. I know he pitched really well, but sometimes you gotta like, you gotta know, like, and sometimes you're in a position where just like, I'm going to throw it all at the wall and this is what I got to do. But if you're not in that position and you're starting Alexi, it's one of those situations where sometimes when a guy does really well, you just got to be like, wow, I'm really thankful that this guy did really well and I'm not going to test fate. And Alexi was one of the guys I think where that's the case not because he was particularly bad or there was something notable in his skills, but just the fact that he had a two-step with Houston and the White Sox. And yeah, they were both at home, but like those are two lineups that I'm generally not super interested in starting against. Um, you know, the White Sox less so, but the Astros are just the Astros yeah. are just really good hitting teams. They're a juggernaut. It's terrifying. Yeah, and they'll eat up young pitching. So again, hindsight at this point, just hope that that White Sox start goes a little bit better than this last one did for sure. And like I said, is I this is why I didn't grab Alexi, Hearn, or Lyles. Lyles pitched great on Tuesday against against Texas. So you get some good, you get some bad. It's just the way it goes. So if you roll us, take your chances. It might have worked out for some, not others. Um, they've been decent pitchers, but the part that concerns me the most was not besides just the matchups. 
is Alexi was supposed to start this week, and he came out of the bullpen on Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's just that their, their whole rotation, there's like no consistency to it. And uh, it's it's very very frustrating. So, but uh, if you see something you like in the in the upcoming weeks, they might get some games and some favorable. Like say they get Seattle or something, we got stuff to talk about. So keep these Rangers pitchers in mind. They're in, they're interesting. They're not locks, but they're very very interesting going forward. Sticking with the Texas Rangers, Yanni Hernandez has been heating up yet again. He's hit safely in six of his last seven games coming into Tuesday with five stolen bases over that stretch, walking over ten percent of the time. So. Pretty much what you thought you were getting from Yanni is steals, and he's doing that for you right now. This Texas team likes to run because Leo Tavares is over there running and a couple other players. So if you need speed, I guess Yanni's not a bad option, Toby. Yeah, I mean, he was available. I have one league where I kind of needed speed, and he was available, so I I snagged him. Um, The thing you got to be careful, you got to know about Yanni Hernandez is you're not going to get any home runs. Like you're literally going to. I think he's got like one home run in his minor league career or something, or like one home home run last year. So you're not going to get any power, but he gets on base. He steals bases, nine stolen bases and 114 plate appearances, something like that this year. And, you know, this is a tough week for them because they play, they play Houston and the White Sox, but neither of those teams are particularly good at holding runners, especially the White Sox are pretty bad. So I'm hopeful that he'll get some, that he'll get some saves or that he'll get some steals. And I think that's what you get him for. Like you pretty much just get him for his stolen bases. And then, you know, occasionally he will hit at the top of the lineup, but really Tavares has been in there like for the last week or so pretty much consistently. So. Yeah. I don't see Tavares moving out there unless they have a random off day, but Leonio will still get his chances. Like you said, no power. You look at his last seven games. I said he hit safely in six of seven. His ISO is zero. So yeah. there's there's no Sounds power. Like, right. At least you'd expect like maybe like a double or something in there. No, just nothing, nothing at all. So steals and steals alone, folks. All right, next don't, up. Don't on. set those expectations too high. Yes, strictly. Ooh, did we move. did we snag a Gregory Soto victory here? Potentially. Oh no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's happened yet. All right, Let's next, hope it does. Next guy Sorry. that I got no problem. Next guy that I got added here is John Gray in 103 leagues, as high as $100. And honestly, I got nervous because his first inning was not pretty in Atlanta. But then he got it together: five innings, two earned, seven strikeouts. Uh, got the W for you in Atlanta. Two-step week here. John Gray better at home than on the road, but he's getting it done on the road. Toby, so what's your thoughts on John Gray? Yeah, he wasn't available in any of the leagues that I was in, so I really didn't take a deep look at him. I know he hasn't been as good recently. Yes, he's scuffled a bit. Um, yeah, so let's see. We got in-zone contact rate is up recently, although the strikeout rate is also up. I mean, 32% strikeout rate. So really a great addition if you're looking for Ks. You know, the O swing is low, which is always one of the issues with him. Walk rate up, swing strike rate down. Um so, yeah, I mean, again, like of all, uh, there's a lot of really bad pitchers that you're putting, throwing into lineups right now. John Gray is a solid option um, in 15 teamers. 12 teamers is a little bit more sketchy, but if you're looking for Ks, there are a few options you're going to find on the the wire better than him. And unlike some and of the, these other And the Rockies have been playing well, too. Uh-huh. As I was going to say, some, I, unlike some of these other options, John Gray could actually keep going forward. He's not a two step guy and cut, he's actually been serviceable going forward compared to some of these other guys we've talked about in recent episodes. And even like, I'd rather have him over Alexi right now. I'll tell you that much. So uh, John Gray, very, very uh, astute move for some that still had him out there. Definitely not available in most of my leagues. Uh, DJ Peters. We talked about him in recent weeks. Another Texas Ranger got picked up in a hundred leagues for as high as 38 bucks. Went deep again on Tuesday, 
Not going to hit for average, but he hit for a ton of power. That's what he does. He's been legit very, very – I have between like my four or five NFBC leagues, I have Solak, Tavares, Peters. I have all these guys added all over the place, and it's very entertaining to see the Texas Rangers having fantasy value, but that's what they do. So any more thoughts on Peters who we've, uh, we've discussed quite a bit lately? Now we've talked a lot about him. You're hoping for the homers, and you got one today. Yes, indeedy. Brian De La Cruz, another guy that's really put it together, uh, hitting for a really, really good average for the Miami Marlins. He's hitting so well. They moved up to third in that lineup right in front of uh, of Jesus Sanchez, who's hitting for power. So De La Cruz gives you a little, little bit of pop, a little bit, not a ton, but hits for average, drives in some runs. The Marlins aren't going to do a whole lot, but he's serviceable if you need that this time of year. He got picked up in 93 leagues. Any thoughts on Brian De La Cruz? Yeah, I mean, he's hitting third, like you mentioned, which is which is definitely something that you want to, to take advantage of. He's playing every day. You know, it's super Babbitt-driven, 438. He's the type of guy who will have, like, this hot end of the season and will move up in drafts and then will be absolutely dreadful and will be back in the minors, you know, <laughs> early on next year. I mean, not to be mean, but, like, you know, especially with these just totally Babbitt-driven profiles – like he's got a 438 Babbitt, right? His K rate is slightly worse than league average. His walk rate is slightly worse than league average. You know, he's got that a little bit of power, right? And Max EV is not special at 108. He's got six barrels and four home runs. So he's maybe playing a little bit above that. But you look at his expected metrics, like generally I don't pay that much attention to, to expected metrics because they're not predictive and, you know, especially in small samples, but his tail is like a, a, a huge tail. Like his expected yeah. batting average is 255 compared to 338. And his expected slug is 367 compared to 478. And so, again, you roll him out there because he's playing every day. He's hitting in the middle of the lineup in Miami. You don't have high expectations for him. Don't fall into the trap of going after him next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. But if you want to ride him out for some batting average going forward, knock yourself out. He's definitely going to get the chance every day to play. So you got that going for you. Let's go back to Kansas City. Their new closer for now, back former closer, back to new closer, Joe Barlow. We talked about him about a month ago when Toby picked him up everywhere. Then he stopped getting saves. Now he's getting saves again. He saved three straight games for the Royals. Might get another save tonight as they've come back and taken the lead on the A's. So for now, Barlow's there. Yeah. You're confusing Joe Barlow with Scott Barlow. I thought Joe Joe Barlow was – oh, for Texas, my bad. Texas. For Rangers. Texas. Texas. Yes, Texas, Texas. still. So, yeah, Scott Barlow might get the save tonight. But uh, Scott Barlow tonight, might, yes. Yes. Texas doesn't need a save because they beat the snot out of Houston like eight to nothing. But, uh, yes, Texas, three, three straight stays for Texas with Mr. Joe Barlow. And he's looking good again after he looked bad and everybody gave up hope for him. Yeah, this one's really funny. This is my this is my very clear example of how closers are just lucky as all hell. Like, really, like, let me, I'm going to tell you the skill profile of Joe Barlow over the last 10 games. And it is so bad. It is the worst possible skill profile you will ever see. And he has pitched really well, right? He hasn't given up a lot of runs. I think he's had one blow up, but some of the runs were earned. So check this out. Joe Barlow, his in-zone contact rate is over 90%, 91%. So essentially opposing hitters are Jose Ramirez against him. His O swing is at 30.5%, so league average. His walk rate is at 11.9%. So that's bad. That's way above league average. His strikeout rate is lower than his walk rate over his last 10 outings at 9.5%. So he's got a negative K to walk. 
4% K minus walk and his swinging strike rate is 5.8%. And it's just hysterical because I have, I'm playing him in all my leagues, right? Like we're all got him in our lineups. If we have him this week, if we're going for saves, even though he's going up against Houston, even though he's going up against the White Sox, you know, it just, the skills suck. And they say that he's going to get absolutely crushed this week, but he's a closer. And so if he continues to, to get a low BABIP, he continues to not give up home runs and he continues to get lucky as all hell. Like he could ride us to some championships, you know, and that's, that's the point of the season that we're at. And so Joe, Joe Barlow, keep doing what you're doing. It doesn't look pretty under the hood, but it doesn't have to, if you're racking in those saves. Yeah. That's pretty much sums up Joe Barlow, who it ain't pretty. That's for darn sure. But it's a uh, effective, I guess is the way to, to go about it. And uh, yeah, enjoy it while you can. There's there's a handful of these guys getting saved now. Your boy Chris Stratton's back getting saves all of a sudden. Oh man, Chris Stratton has pitched lights out ever since yeah. blowing blowing everything. Yeah, I was just like it's it's just the the roller coaster ride that is closers. It's it's something else. It just never ends. It's a constant constant topic. So we got two more weeks of going. This guy closes now. Awesome again. So um, yeah, we'll see where that one goes. Eric Lauer. This is a guy that both of us, especially Toby, Toby's the main driver of this train, but I jumped on it in a lot of DCs and NFC 50s and other leagues. I've got a lot of Eric Lauer as well. He got picked up in 89 leagues as high as $38. He's been nothing short of outstanding. He's given up three earned runs or less in every start going back to June 20th. He's been so good right now. Ratios have always been a thing, but the strikeouts have been consistent of late as well for more Ks. In four straight outings, including eight strikeouts against Cleveland. He's been awesome, Toby. So what's your thoughts on Eric Lauer? Uh, this is the dream, Bubba. This is the dream coming into reality. This is everything I had ever hoped for. And the only really sad thing is I dropped him in all of my big leagues uh, because of the injuries and, and things like that. I mean, he's been um, excellent. You know, the Z contact is below league average over his last five. Uh, o swing is is better than league average, which is so important for him because when he struggles, he walks guys. He can't get chases outside the zone. K rate is right around league average. Not walking guys at seven point one percent, so sixteen percent swinging K minus walk, eleven point one percent swinging strike rate. I mean, he's certainly been uh, fortunate. I think. I mean, he's definitely due some regression here. Let's see. So his BABIP over his last five is at two fifty, and his strand rate is at eighty five percent. So he's due regression. He's getting lucky in addition to being good. But, you know, my God, like that stat you just mentioned about how not giving up three earned runs. I mean, that is, fan- I mean, unbelievable. Like that's much better than heroic. That. Mm-hmm. It's like if you can team him up, he's basically a poor man's, well, what used to be Kyle Hendricks. Like he's going to go out there and just get you all your ratios, go pair him up with a Garrett Cole or something, and just you don't you're good to go. Like don't worry about your strikeouts. You're fine. So – it's uh, it's quite the the dynamic that he's put together there. We'll see if it keeps going on. It'll be interesting to see if he finishes out this strong just to where he lands next year. Because I know most people are like, no, there's no way. Not Eric Lauer. Not a chance. So it'll be fun to see how that one plays out going forward. Tony Gonsolin, Los Angeles Dodgers, getting some help back as they need some, some pitching help for sure. Picked up in 84 leagues as high as uh, $66. He returned on September 9th, went three innings, gave one run, struck out three. They're easing him back into it, but I say that because they kind of eased him back the first time. He never really went too deep because he had massive control issues. He was always kind of not really the guy they wanted him to be. So I haven't bought in on Tony Gonsolin once in fantasy. I know the skill set's there. We liked him going into the season. I haven't seen it yet from him, and that's like I can get these 
the Dodgers aren't going deep with him. So we'll see. I didn't see how he fared on Tuesday night, but uh, he's back. He had two steps this week. So what's your thoughts on Tony Gonsolin? Yeah, he's absolutely shoving tonight. Um, of course. I, I don't know what I don't know what what he's at right now, but he hasn't given up a run in four innings, and he had like six Ks or something like that. I've devoted I devoted like four weeks to waiting for him to come back to that the IL, and then I devoted like four to five weeks of him just walking every batter known to man and not throwing five innings, and then I dropped him, and now he's going to shove. So I hate four you, Tony Donsolin. Four innings, one hit, no earned, one walk, five K, six, 54 pitches so far. Yeah, there you go. So, Tony Gonsolin, you and Ian Happ, you guys can maybe like <laughs> have a party afterwards. And um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say, but it's been tough. I'm, I'm with you. Tony Gonsolin is Ian Happ. Of it's, it's, funny. it's funny because he hasn't shown us anything to fall in love with him this season. Last season, we were all like, yeah, we oh, saw yeah. his skills. So good. Maybe he's probably going to do it now for two reasons to tilt us in fantasy and to be ready to beat the Giants. So it's going to be one of those things just to really make it in my face in the whole scenario. So we'll see if the D backs do help people look better. I'll say that much. So that does help. They let's do. see how the, let's see how the next start goes. But uh, the fact he's not walking anybody is a, is a good point in the right direction. Although about, I will say they make, they make right-handed pitchers look good. Yes. True. Lefties. Lefty, lefties they're a little bit better. Yeah. That, true. That. Uh, another another new closer this season, and he came over from the Cubs, and now he's filling in with all the issues there in Oakland. Is Andrew Chafin, who's picked up a couple saves over the last week. He's not the for sure for sure closer, but I think signs point to him being the closer. And he's been pretty darn effective, especially with the A's. He's only given up like three or four runs total in his whole time here. He's been great, and he's really good with the Cubs as well. So Chafin was added in um, eighty leagues for as high as fifty seven dollars. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. I added him in a bunch of places. I think he's clearly the guy, like there's just not a lot of trust for anyone in the Oakland boy bullpen. And honestly, they're showing you why right now. I mean, God, they've just absolutely, um, it's 10, it's 10 to seven now. Like they're just, they're just bad. Um, you know, honestly, like he looked like the guy that was going to get the job. And so I haven't looked super deep, um, into his profile. Uh, I would say it's not super impressive um, in zone contact at 94%. That is God awful. That's like having facing Nick Madrigal every at bat. Um, he does get a lot of chases outside the zone at 36.1% though. The K rate is, is right around league average at 23.8, but he hasn't walked a guy in his last 10 outings, which is certainly an impressive feat. Doesn't really get swinging strike at strikes, um, but gets some, some called strikes clearly from the strikeout rate. So He's fine, like um, nothing to write home about, but being the closer of the A's is usually a nice role throwing in that bullpen. I just think it's a, it's a nice spot for him. So I have him in a lot of places, but it doesn't look like he's going to get a save tonight because that bullpen no. is just imploding. Yeah, not looking good there for sure. Uh, I just want to kind of cherry pick a few more. I was going to be really excited about one that I saw the breaking news a second ago. Seth Beer was added in 50 leagues, but he left tonight's game with a separated left shoulder. So Ooh, that stings because I think I got no him in good. one. I think I got him in one league. I can't remember how many. I think I got him in one. So <laughs> that was fun. He was literally crushing the minor leagues. Came up his first three games, hitting in all three games. Just looked like the real deal that could give you some power. Um, yeah, that's gonna sting because that left shoulder that probably puts him out for the season. So 
That'll yeah, be a, sure. a, a, a detriment there for sure. So he was one I wanted to talk about. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Jesus Lazardo was looking good his last three starts, got shelled because he couldn't strike anybody out on Tuesday. Do you believe in Lazardo going forward, or are you still like not going to do it? Um, you know, I, I think he'll come good. I think he'll come good. I think he'll be a guy who goes late in drafts that I'll probably look at next year just because – Remember, oh, before next year, this year, year. Next year, for oh, sure. I'm talking about, about oh, the next two weeks. The, the next two weeks. Um, I think it's, he's a matchup play for me. I mean, I would have started him this week um, if I could have gotten him against uh, Washington. And then let me just see. So he's at Washington. And the next week he's got Washington and then Tampa Bay. That one's a little bit more dicey, but I'd probably go with it if I need strikeouts. Um, but I, I'll, I'll be interested. I mean um, – yeah, next year I think he'll he'll be a guy of interest for sure. Just because post type sleeper looked really bad, but Miami has done some really amazing things with some of their younger pitchers, um, and he's he's pitched a lot better of late. Uh, so yeah, I got to do a little bit of a more of a deep dive, but he looks he looks good skills wise over the last five games or so. Yeah, the the, the little bit I dug in for his DFS stuff on tu- tu- Tuesday, he. Um, the swinging strike rates up to almost 16.5% over the last three starts where the strikeouts all of a sudden rose. Uh, so he's got that going for him. His K to walks going up. He's still walking 10% over those three games, which is still not great. But uh, things are going in the right direction. But then tonight against Washington, he couldn't strike anybody out. He had a lot of two strike counts, couldn't finish guys off. So that was quite annoying to say the least. But I'm curious to see where he goes going forward this season because I think the skill sets are kind of making the turn in the right direction. Just do you want to take that gamble or not? We'll wait and see. I think he's got more upside than most guys you're going to grab out there. Just it's not consistent at all. Um, Chris Bassett, I just wanted to bring him up because he got added in 50 leagues. He's traveling with the team, throwing a bullpen in Kansas City. If all goes well, he could potentially pitch next week. So if not, for sure, the following week, they're saying that he should be able to get two to four more starts this season. That's Mm -hmm. what they said. I'll believe it when I see it. I could say two because they want to get him ready for the postseason. So they're going to want to throw him a little bit. Um, so if he's available, I think he's definitely worth an ad if he's out there for you and you can get him for dirt cheap because no one's got money. So, um, keep him in mind. Were there any other names you wanted to talk about, or do you want to go to your ads and talk about guys there? Um, we can go to, we can go to ads and and talk about those there. Who you got? Who do I have? All right. Let's see what we got. All right. Uh, so, um, Eric Fetty, I added him and dropped Elvis Andrews. Eric Fetty in the last 10 games or last five games has been absolutely incredible. Like I lo- I dove into his profile and I was like, Oh my God, this is wonderful. Like he's doing everything that you would want to see. And he's definitely a guy that I am going to have a considerable amount of on teams next year. So he pitched fantastically well today, three hits, five innings, eight K's, but heading into today, in his last five games, if I get this up here really quickly, in his last five games, extend the vowel just so that we can do this. Okay, so in his last five games, it's beautiful. His in-zone contact rate is at 83.9%, so better than league average, which is something saying something for him because his three three-year average is right around 90%. So he's doing something different and effective. His O-swing is at 36%. So well above league average, really, really good for the walk rate. And not surprisingly, the walk rate is at 5.1%. Now his K rate is all the way up at 24.6%. So better than league average for Eric Fetty, who we never consider 
you know, to be a guy that, um, you know, that strikes guys out. And then he's got an 11% swinging strike rate. And then when you look at the reason why it's very clear on a number of different reasons, his, uh, uh, why are you not showing here? Fastball velocity. Anyways, his fastball velocity is up. Um, it's been up over the last little bit. Um, I'm trying to get it to show up here, but it's not showing up on, um, the thing here. Okay, here we go. So his fastball velocity towards the second half of the season has been up. It's been at nine. He's averaged 94.2 on his uh, sinker um, in, in his last five games, which is a career high. Um, he did have it 94.5 the five games before that, but his velocity is elevated, which you'd love to see because that's one of the reasons why he can get better. In addition to that, the percentage of pitches that he's throwing that are sinkers has gone way down. It's down at 36%. Uh, in, in the middle of August, it was at 50%. So he's cut 15% of his sinker, which is clearly probably going to be his worst pitch. He's increased his slider usage dramatically to 32.9%. Um, he has started throwing, I think it's a cutter. Yeah, his cutter, he started throwing more as well at 24.2%. I think the last pitch is a changeup. Changeup is right around you how it usually is, but he's doing everything you want to see. The fastball velocity is increasing. The slider usage, you know, which is his best pitch by swinging strike at fourteen point six percent and at O swing at thirty percent, you know, are are, um, are the best things. And I imagine those pitches are playing up with the increase in velocity. So, Fetty was my number one targeted pitcher, you know, for places where I needed starting pitcher, even above Hill. Um, and another guy that I'll talk about in a second in Dylan Peters. Um, so again, like these are all the things that we want to see. You got increase in velocity, you got decrease in your in your usage of your worst pitch, and increase in usage of your best pitch. And it's crazy with Fetty's crazy doing. with Fed. It's crazy with Fetty. His two worst starts are both against the Mets over the last like five. If you take the like he got shelled by the Mets of all teams. You, you take those two starts out, he looks even better, which I know you yeah. can't because they are starts. But you know, you see like Bloomfield and those guys put out those tweets about. Two worst starts removed. Like Fetty's been very, very good. Very good. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things is I think why skills is so important is oftentimes you can find guys who have had those one or two bad outings, which are just pure variance, right? Babbitt or, or home run per fly, for fly ball or whatever it is. And if, if you see the skills are there, if they've already had those bad performances, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's less likely that they're going to happen, but it feels less likely at least. I mean, they're, they're more likely going to pitch to their skill level, but when the skills are improving, they're more likely to do that. Um, the next guy that I targeted or that, that I had was uh, Dylan Peters. Um, Dylan Peters added Dylan Peters and dropped Harold Ramirez. Um, Dylan Peters, I had him equal with, with heel um, because the he's going, he pitched super well today. He had uh, Cincinnati who struggled against lefties and Peters is a lefty. And he's got at Miami um, at the end of this week. Um, so he's got the two starts. He's been looking really good. He's another guy who, if you look under the hood on him, um, he is throwing his, I want to say he's either throwing his sinker less or has just like at, totally dropped its usage. Um, but he has definitely been improving as well. I'm just bringing up my rolling average graph here. So in his last three games, just because he doesn't have a huge sample, the Z contact is at 82.1%. So it's below 
league average, which is really nice. His O swing is at 36%. So he's getting chases on pitches outside the zone. His K percentage, and he's traditionally a super low K guy because he's a sinker guy, is at 20.3%. So not great, but his walk rate is at 6.8%. So you're talking about a guy who's about 13, 14% around league average for K minus walk. And then his swinging strike rate is at 12%, 12.1%, which is really good. And the reason that that is happening is that his sinker usage, um, well, actually his sinker usage is going up. So what is it? His changeup, is that his best pitch? The changeup usage has gone up recently. And then the slider he's using less. That's what it is. The slider he's actually eliminated from his profile. And it's the curveball maybe. Curveball has an uptick in usage as well. Um, And so... When we look at his pitching repertoire, which will probably tell us why he's doing that. So the changeup usage, the increase in the changeup usage is important. 22.5% swinging strike rate on his changeup. 39.6% O swing on his changeup. I mean, his in-zone contact on the changeup is 65%. This is a elite, elite with a capital E changeup. And he is throwing it as his pitch that he's throwing most often. Um, and so that for me is really big. And I think a reason why you see him standing out. So he's been good so far. He pitched well today. It's his best outing of the season so far. Um, uh, and I'm excited about it. Um, after that added Sean Nolan, Sean Nolan's skills are decent. I got him for next week. You mentioned like kind of trying to set your teams up for a week ahead of time. That's what I'm really trying to do right now. So next week I I should already have my two start pitchers just because it's going to be so competitive. And then, then this upcoming fab period, I'll target for the last week of the season, the two start pitchers. And you'll want to kind of like think about who's most likely to keep those two starts because they're in the playoff hunt or totally out of the playoff hunt, but need innings. Um, so Nolan, uh, he has, he's pitching at Miami and then at Cincinnati, he's a lefty next week. So he's got a two step against two favorable teams um, so I like that. And Fetty was a really nice pickup too, because he pitches this week, pitched well. And next week he's also got at Miami and then at Cincinnati for a two-step. Um, so setting up nicely there. And then I added Nick Gordon. I don't have him in my lineup, unfortunately. He had a stolen base and had a really nice day today, but he's been playing against righties every single day for Minnesota. He steals bases, not a ton of power, but he's getting on base, decent batting average. Um, so I added him uh, there. Uh, next league, I uh, added Yanni Hernandez, dropped Ramon uh, Urias just because he had the injury. And I would be, I'm a little, I don't think he's going to play every day moving forward. You know, he's been dealing, battling with a leg issue for a long time. Although with Mateo getting injured for the season, which we found out today, maybe he does play more. I don't know. Yoshi, Yoshi Sutsugo, for some reason, was available in like every single one of my main events. It was really weird. I don't know why. It was just one of these things where a guy is maybe like 60% owned. And yet, just from the luck of the draw, he's available in a lot of my leagues. So I added Sutsugo, dropped Edward Edward Olivares for the 50th time. Um, Added uh, Andrew Chafin, dropped dropped Marco Gonzalez. That was a tough decision, but this is a league where I really don't need volume. I need ratios and saves. And so I moved on from him. He faces Boston this week, so I wasn't going to use him. And then next week, like, I don't know. I I was just, next week he's got a good two-step, but it's both on the road at Oakland and then at LA. Uh, Angels, it's not a bad two-step. It's a good two-step, but 
just when I don't need volume and he's not going to give me K's really, I just wanted to steer clear of him in this particular league. Um, so I, Chafin Gonzalez in my other main event, I added Joe Barlow, dropped Darren Ruff just because the Giants the next two weeks play a ton of righties. I added Sutsugo, dropped Lewis Brinson, uh, added Andrew Chafin, dropped Hunter Dozier, although he's starting to hit a little bit, hit another home run today. Added Tommy LaStella, who I love this week. They play six out of seven uh, righties this week, including the first four games. And LaStella is hitting at the top of that lineup. Already has a home run, two for three today. Dropped Bobby Bradley. This was a little bit of a tough one because they have nine games next week. Um, but, you know, I got to play it week to week. And I really loved LaStella heading into this week. So the, literally that that fab bid was just LaStella for Bradley. That was the only one that I wanted. Um, to replace him with because I think the Giants also have five out of six games next week that are righties as well. Yep. Um, sorry, I'm going a little too in detail probably here on this, but added Garrett Whitlock, dropped Brandon Marsh. I think Whitlock's the closer in Boston. I think he's the guy that they trust the most, even though he's had a little bit of a shaky uh, a couple of um, outings in two of his last three. He has been so good for so long and everybody else in that bullpen has not been that great that I think he's going to get saves. We may find out tonight um, whether that happens, although I think they might be down two to one. And then Sutsugo uh, dropped Michael A. Taylor. He's on bereavement list. I don't know when he's going to come back again, playing it week to week. Uh, added Yadiel Hernandez, dropped Miles Mikolas. Um, added Taylor Walls, dropped Jack Mayfield. Added Nick Gordon, dropped Anthony Alford. Mikolas hasn't pitched that well. He's got some decent matchups down the stretch, but in this one, you know, I'm really playing it week to week, and I have a decent number of starters, I think. Um, so I'm really going for plate appearances this week. And then Wall should play every day with Franco out. He's just incredible defensively, and that's going to get him in the lineup, I think, uh, every day. Added Yoshitsutsugo again. Added Eric Fetty. Dropped Harold Castro. Dropped Bailey Ober just because they're piggybacking Ober with Pineda, so he's not going to get wins, and his next two outings are against the Blue Jays. I added Andrew Chafin, dropped Darren Ruff. In TGFBI, uh, added Sutsugo, dropped Sam Hilliard. Added Drew Steckenrider, dropped Tyler Clippard. Um, added Yadiel Hernandez, dropped Jesus Aguilar. Uh, I'm not going to win my um, my my TGFBI league. Jordan uh, Rosenblum has been dominating. He's top 10. He's had a fantastic season. Shout out to him. Great analyst as well. But I'm making a run. I've moved. I've been at, stuck at 100 for about three months. I'm now, I think, like 51st overall or something like that. So feeling good about being competitive in that spot. Um, and then in my 12-teamers, added Paulo Espino, dropped Bailey Ober, added Eric Fetty, dropped Tyler Clippard, added Yoshi Tsutsugo, dropped Ian Kennedy, who is awful. Um, he was awful beforehand, but for some reason, the Phillies thought that would help them. Added Garrett Whitlock, dropped Tyler Clippard, added Andrew Chafin, dropped Bailey Ober, added Joe Barlow, dropped John Means, added Bobby Dalbeck. Dropped Tyler Naquin, added Yoshi Tsutsugo, dropped Shane McClanahan, um, added Drew Steckenrider, uh, dropped Adam Ottavino. This is a league where the only way I can increase is, is with saves, and I'm not in too much uh, volume trouble, so I, I kind of moved with a very heavy approach. I think I have seven closers going in that league, something nice. like that. And then my last one, sorry, guys, I have so many damn leagues. Andrew Chafin dropped Tyler Clippard, added Roan Wick, Got to save today. Dropped Adam Ottavino. Added Carlos Estevez. Got to save today. Dropped John Means. Um, added Paulo Espino. Dropped Nestor uh, Cortez. And then added Nick Solak. Uh, dropped Bailey Ober. And that's it for me. Woo! That Nestor Cortez one's an interesting one. Eh? 
Interesting. Um, uh, I dropped him because he's going, he's at Baltimore this week. And then ne- next week he is, oh, he's got the two-step next week. Uh-huh. That's why I was surprised. I was looking at that going, hmm. I think that's a saves league. Yeah, and Texas I think I was probably, honestly, yeah. I was probably like, I can probably pick him up next week. Yeah, as well. that's fine. Fair enough. Um, the Bailey Ober thing, we talked about that last week because I remember I grabbed him and then didn't get the news in time because I was doing other stuff. But uh, he still got you eight and a third, five earned, 10 Ks. I'll take it. I'll take the 10 strikeouts. So it wasn't the end of the world. But uh, yeah, I don't know why they're piggybacking him. Maybe it'll change with Joe Ryan going down. We'll see. That mm-hmm. could uh, that could get Ober back to being a, a regular pitcher again. So we'll see. All right, I only got a couple leagues to go through here. TGFBI um, added Harold Castro just because I need multi-position guys because I'm dying to fill a roster right now. Dropped Willie Adamas, who I don't see doing too much the rest of the way, which unfortunately stinks. Um, I grabbed Merrill Kelly for his two-step next week. Not the most friendly two-step, but again, if I'm looking for wins and strikeouts, it's versus Atlanta, versus the Dodgers. Not ideal, but he's been pitching better than people give him credit for, so I'm, I'm grasping for straws here. I got him for a dollar, so I'm not too crazy about it. Then I grabbed Jackson Coar, dropped Edward Cabrera because he's a strike anybody out. I did not use Jackson Coar next week. I grabbed him because originally he was set up to do a two-step next week. doesn't look like that's happening, but his last three starts are Cleveland, Cleveland, Minnesota. So that was what I was looking at is the schedule coming up, which I'd much rather see because he threw six strong against Cleveland. And since he's come back up from the minors, he's looked like a different pitcher outside of getting destroyed by Oakland. But mm-hmm. Oakland's been doing that to people lately. So I'm going to kind of let that one slide and see how he goes forward. But most of these picks were looking ahead to next week. It's kind of what I was going with with the budget I had in my OC qualifier now. I added Brandon Belt for a dollar and dropped Jake Cronenworth because they say he's day-to-day, but he's got a fractured finger. Like, he's not going to – maybe he shocks the world, but a fractured finger trying to hit, how productive is he really going to be? Prove me wrong. I hope he does, but I couldn't wait. He hasn't played yet this week, so I don't know what he's doing. And then I grabbed Aaron Savale, dropped it over Cabrera for a dollar. So I'll take that and see where Savale goes in that direction. Um, in one of my satellites, I added Seth Beard, dropped Jake Cronenworth. That one stings. Added nice. Jackson Coar, dropped Edward Cabrera, added Longo, dropped Glaber Torres. Because even with the righties, Longo's playing every day again, which I'm very happy to see. Longo Dongo. Yep, he's been very productive this week, so I've been very happy with that. Grab Lane Thomas. This one was tough. I dropped Rafael Ortega, who I've been liking. Really, if you take a deeper dive, has not been that productive the last few weeks, especially in the power department, which no shocker. He wasn't going to hit all those home runs. Lane Thomas has been – I'm going to ride that hot bat for the last few weeks over Ortega. We'll see how that pans out. And then I added um, Kevin Pillar and dropped Adelise Garcia for a dollar because Pillar is playing every day and the Mets offense is starting to click and got some nice matchups the next few weeks. So, again, just trying for anything to keep pushing in those leagues. And then my last satellite league added Seth Beard, dropped Andrew Vaughn, who got put on the IL. So that one at least stings, but not as bad. Uh, grabbed Aaron Savali, dropped Bailey Ober for two bucks, grabbed Steven Matz, dropped Tariq Skubal, who they're doing the babying of innings thing with now. So that's why I got rid of Skubal as they're going to, I, th- I think, really put the screws down on him going forward. And Matt's, we talked, I talked about this on my last episode uh, with Mike Mayer. He's, A, pitching great, but he's got at Minnesota this week, this next week, which is very intriguing. But if all pans out properly, he does get the Yankees, but it's at home, and he could potentially, if, if things change, he could potentially get Baltimore. It depends on how they go about doing it. So Max has been very good. Look under the hood on what he's been doing lately. It's been sneaky good what he's been doing. I've, I've been shocked. I wonder if he's been drinking the water Robbie Ray's drinking. I don't know. But it's uh, – trust me, I'm not the biggest Steven Matz fan. But looking at what his upcoming matchups and what he's been doing, 
if anything gets that Minnesota start alone next week, gets me very excited for the uh, the upside he brings to the table. And we can move on from there. But um, that's it. Nothing nothing crazy in my world. Lots of $1 and $2 ads and drops and just cross. I dropped Edward Cabrera everywhere at Hurt. Didn't have a great start this past, this last game. Got hit by a, like a ground ball or something. He hits another strikeouts. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling stuff, to say the least. All right. Got a few listener questions, and then we'll head on out of here. Oh, I will say, I, I forgot who I dropped them for. And I, I, don't, I, didn't, I need to go check and see who dropped them. But I was doing my Tout Wars ad drops. I usually don't go over these ones. One of the ad drops I made this past week, somehow Rafael Devers was dropped. Oh, wow. I got him for five bucks. Um, Jeez. Actually, I'm not, I, this, this won't tell me who who um, did it, but I want to. I need to pull up the log of additions here and tell you who went ahead of Rafael Devers. I, I literally, when I saw I, I won him for $5, I searched every news source on Twitter, like, did I miss something? Did he go out for the season? And I'm like, no, he went two for three or whatever with the walk. And like, he's playing. And I looked at his game logs and like, he's still doing fine. What am I missing here? So as this decides to load at a snail's pace, all okay, here we go. So in this league, the, the Tout Wars had their uh, 12 team saves and holds innings pitch leagues. Buxton went for 18 bucks. Um, and then I got Devers for five. And then some, some batters went cheaper than that. So I don't know what happened there. I'm very curious, but when in Rome, I guess is what they say. So I'm just going to let that one, let that one go. Not sure how that went, but uh, listener questions. On this wonderful day, we start out with uh, Billy from Canada. Billy Bra- Bill Bradley 44 asks, where is Vladdy going to be drafted next year, and where would you take him? I say he's a he's probably going to go fourth or fifth, I would say, kind of in that um, after the Acuna Tatis like big pitcher area for me. He's probably middle first round. I will not have him. Yeah, I agree. He's probably going to be middle, upper, first round. I mean, you got to think about like, so there's Tatis Jr., although he also comes with the the injury concerns. So you got to take that into consideration. We've got Trey Turner. Trey Turner is going to be unbelievable. He's also going to be on the Dodgers, you know, hitting leadoff on the Dodgers. I mean, 130, 140 run potential um, there. Uh, You are going to have Acuna coming back and, and fully healthy, ideally. Um, although with an ACL, you know, you got to worry about the running. And then I think at that point, like you're probably looking at uh, Vlad. I think Vlad is probably going to overtake Soto just because I think people think that Soto hasn't been very good. Um, you know, and he's probably been disappointing. I don't know. I haven't checked on his stats recently, but, you know, um, expectations were really high because of where he was going. So I'd say he's probably in that area. Um, for me, where I would take him, I think he's, for me, you know, I mean, it's so hard. Because, you know, I, I'm not committed to drafting pitchers or doing the pocket aces thing. I know I kind of started uh, some of that saying, or I don't know if I started it, but, you know, it's kind of stuck with me. I only did that in two of six leagues of my big leagues last year. You know, so it's not something that I'm going to use every single time. Um, I but but if I'm grabbing an offensive player, then I'm probably going with with speed. You know, and I think there's going to be a number of guys who provide speed at that same area of the draft. And so for me, I mean, I think Vlad is kind of falls in that like second round, like early second round to me. You know, you think about Freddie Freeman, right? Like in a lot of ways, Vlad and Freddie Freeman are 
pretty similar players. Freeman maybe steals a little bit more bases wise. Um, I think Vlad and Freeman are pretty similar batting average wise. And then the counting stats are, you know, pretty similar as well as, as are the power metrics, but I'll have to take a deep dive and see like whether I think this is Vlad's true power potential, which it probably is, um, you know, or not. So I'd say probably around Freddie Freeman, um, you know, and I think that's a good kind of comp to think about. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good comp. Like, yeah, I, I like, I think that's a good comp. I'd take Vlad over Freddie, but it's a very good comp. I, I don't blame neither one of them are stealing. They both hit for average, both hit for power, pretty much fill your other four categories up. Vlad's not, well, probably not going to be this good next year. Let me clarify that before the trolls timestamp that one. But, um, I, I, I think he's going to be very, very good for a long, long time. Kind of like Freddie Freeman. So I think that's a great comp. I think so. That's like back first round. Um, I think someone's going to want him more than that, though. So that's why I won't have him. And I'm with you 100% that if I'm looking to um, to fill out my early picks, like we've talked about time and time again, I want speed. I'm not taking uh, – I'm doing everything in my power not to take a dead spot. It's like if I want to take a dead spot, I can take Harper at the end of round two. Or I can do stuff along those lines and still get steals early or get an ace pitcher or something like that. So I'm not saying you can't do it. Go get Whit Merrifield in round two or round three or something. You'll be fine. I I can't stomach it. Maybe things will change. Maybe he drops into the second round next year. But I think he'll be he should be back in first, like you said, around Freddie Freeman. He'll go mid first. Someone will go get him. There's no doubt about that to me. Yeah. So all right. Next question on the docket for us. It's it's a fun one here. We have um, where'd it go? Ben Ted, our buddy breaking uh, at breaking Ben underscore T. When do you or who do you have in your first round for next year? You can include on the bubble guys if you can't decide on exactly fifteen. So um, let's just have fun with this. Who do, do you who do you have as your top three? All right, so not Subject the guys that change the guys Subject that I would draft. Or yes. let's just say uh, who do we think who do we think goes in the top fifteen? I would say Garrett Cole. Okay. Would be my one one. Um, but then I think after that, I mean, I, I don't know if this is the order that I would draft them in probably, but I think you're looking at um, Trey Turner, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna. Uh, I think you're looking at, I wouldn't draft Vlad there, but you're probably looking at Juan Soto and Vlad. Um and then you're looking at, you know, DeGrom. And then you're looking at Bichette. Burns, Bachette, Scherzer. You know, and again, I don't know if he goes there because he's older. Bueller. But um, Bueller. Um, Shohei. Yeah, Shohei. How do we forget that one? That's a big. Well, one. I mean, the one thing about Shohei is the batting average is the one thing that makes me nervous. But God, that power! Oh, I, I wouldn't worry about that because the power and speed he brings. Like I'll sacrifice. I can get. That's one thing I'll sacrifice if I have to for what he brings. I, I think that's legit. Is all legit. So for sure. Um, so Corbin Corbin Burns. I mean Woodruff. Um. I mean Bryce Harper has had an excellent season as well. We haven't even mentioned Mike Trout yet. We haven't even mentioned Mike Trout. We haven't mentioned Starling Marte. Yeah. I mean, there's a, that. That's the thing is, I think there's a lot of really good hitters. It's going to be really interesting, you know, because um, it's going to be really interesting. Drafts are going to be really interesting. They always are. I mean, there's always these narratives and stuff like that. But 
um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens because yeah. there's a lot of hitting talent with, with speed, you know, guys like Cedric Mullins, guys like yeah. Teoscar, you know, who are now, you know, Cedric's only done it for one season, but you know, I, and I haven't done a deep dive. I'm sure he's playing a little bit over his head, but you know, Still 25, 25 guy or whatever he is. And then you got Teoscar who now back for two consecutive seasons has been absolutely phenomenal. Ozzy um, Albies is still very, very good. Rafael Devers is, is still really very good. good. Yeah, I mean, Albies is at a fantastic... Jose Ramirez, did we even mention him? Devers, we I don't know if we mentioned Jose Ramirez. I mean, there's <laughs> so many good hitters at the top, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be super, super interesting. Okay. But I'll, um, I'll, I'll try to do Cole, it. To, Cole's my 1-1. One, one. I'll try to do a top 15. So I think we'll still, barring everyone being healthy... You'll still get Acuna, Tatis, one, two, one, one way or another. You'll get those two. Then I go Cole, three, um, four. I will say Trey Turner. Five. I go to Grom, assuming he's healthy. That's a, a, a major assumption right now. Major assumption, but assuming he's healthy. Sixth. I'm gonna go. This is where people won't go, but I'm gonna. I put J Ram at six just for what he does. Like he covers all five categories. Like it's it's too good to me. And then like seven, you'll have Soto. Eight, you'll have Vlad. And then you could throw let's throw Burns at nine, Bueller at ten. And you're just loading stuff up here. So there's top ten for you. And then this is pure speculation. But uh, who else am I missing in this whole group? Uh, Bichette. Shows people were missing. Go Shohei at eleven. Bichette at twelve. Throw Scherzer in there at thirteen. Um, yeah, it's loaded. Like uh, you could keep going if you want, but it's it's going to be fun. Like you could literally just in the first two rounds alone, you could have ten to fit, probably ten pitchers and twenty bats easily, easily, if not more. So, could be a fun way to go about it. Kind of how this last year where you could almost get some really high end, just outside ace pitchers in round three and four. So it could make the drafting even more entertaining. So, like you said, you didn't, you weren't locked into pocket aces. Like you kind of not saying you ever are, but the year before you're way more focused on pocket aces. It mm-hmm. felt like than this past year. So kind of go with the flow type thing. All right. Last question we have here from Dave Petroziello. Um, get your notepad out. Maybe it's just me and some of the guys that have disappointed me this year, but I'm going to mark down or at least be very wary of any non-elite lefty hitter that can either have their numbers dragged down by not performing well against lefties and or platooning against lefties. Obviously, that doesn't go for Soto, Freeman, Otani, and amazingly Mullins is in this group but I want to see that for a second year. Other than that, I feel a good amount of lefty bats full, fall victim to what I brought up. Do you guys see that too? Not to mention teams like the Giants or the Rays are specializing in this and having a lot of success. Success breeds copycats. So is that something you're looking at this year? Are you concerned about more platooning going on around baseball? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to think about it. Um, you definitely have to consider it you know, in the later rounds. Um, yeah, it's the later rounds for sure. In the later rounds. Uh, I definitely think you have to think about it. I mean, it's been tough. Like there's a lot of good hitters that are being platooned and it's really hard to manage that. And it's easy to say like, oh, well, if they're platooning, then I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put them in, in, in the ideal situations and stuff. But then you got, you'll have two weeks where you, you can't use them because they're facing a bunch of lefties and, um, or like on a weekend, they face one lefty, but then, you know, you're just getting two out of the three games. Right. Um, so it really does have an impact. So I definitely think you need to pay attention to it. And Jeff Zimmerman's done a ton of great research on this, just looking at like, 
when when are players most at risk for a platoon? What does the OPS look like, you know, versus lefties in general, um, things like that. So I would definitely check out that research. I think it's in the process um, that Jeff has done or or online at Fangraphs. But it's, yeah, I definitely think you need to be mindful of it. It's been huge because the guys like Darren Ruff, like you see, you mentioned the Giants. I see it every day. Ruff's been great. But there's those weeks when they face lefties like him and Wilmer Flores. Wilmer Flores has resorted to a bench roll all of a sudden because all these righties and plus Lestella's back and stuff. So there's guys that are super talented. And in theory, it's what we've been doing with the Rockies for so long because a lot of guys are so much value, more valuable, obviously, when they're in Coors. But when they're not, we don't want them. But do you drop them because someone else will grab them? And this whole game you play, well, now it goes deeper. It's just it's the ever changing world. You got closers to worry about. You got platoons to worry about. But one thing you said is it's more the later round guys. If you're early round guys or platoon questions, probably not an early round player to begin with. So that's that that's a concern for sure. But it is going to happen more and more, especially as this game continues to develop. And you know, there's likely, hopefully, going to be a designated hitter in both leagues, which could impact this as well. It may be for the positive, who knows? But it also could because it could change the bench roll, maybe add an extra pitcher, so on and so forth. So um, we'll have to pay attention to that. Uh, I, I haven't even looked like maybe there's more platooning in the National League. Well, no, you said the Rays, but um, it feels like it's more in the National League with pinch hitters and double switches and stuff along those lines. But um, well, definitely something to to keep in mind. I'm not going to say it's not something to do, but out of all the things that have happened this year, I'm more concerned about my guys getting hurt all the time. So let's let's worry about that issue for now. Like I'm just looking for pulses half the time, and if they're in a platoon, hopefully it's the strong side. That's all I can do right now. But uh, yeah, it's true. Like you said, Zimmerman. I know you do, but Zimmerman's a, a natural at it about maximizing at bats. He's figured that out, and it helps him out tremendously. So definitely something to it. All right, Toby. That's going to wrap us up for episode 96 or week 25 of Fab recap. We got two more weeks of Fab to go. It is winding like I literally when I loaded up the rotowire uh, starting grid to talk about some pitchers here, it's uh, it's almost done. It's, it literally was get, not giving me options to go much farther. So we are close to the end. So any final words as we keep grinding on? No, just keep on, keep on, keeping on. You know, yep. grind it out. Um, I think the one thing you mentioned at the beginning is key. Like, think one week ahead now. Think one week ahead. You know, in this next Fab run. It's going to be two-star pitchers are going to be super competitive. Look a week out, try to maximize those two-star pitchers if, if that's the position you're in, or go for guys that have really good schedules. You know that last week of the season, especially when pitching is going to be all over the place. Um, really plan that out and, and think about how your whole remaining roster over these last two weeks. You know how where you're going to plug guys in throughout the week, and if you can at all possible have every player that you're going to use for the remainder of the season this week. And then that way, when, when things inevitably happen and, and problems arise, then you're able to adapt, but just with little things, instead of being like, I need to be all in on these two star pitchers this last week of the season going into that. And it's just tough because you probably won't have the fab to outbid everybody in your league. You know, um, sometimes random people will start paying attention again that last week, just so they feel better or something about like oh, I got all this money to spend. Yeah, exactly. You know, like seriously. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and spend all your fab. You know, there's no yeah. reason to leave the season with anything left. Yeah, I take I took that mold that um, that metaphor or idea to the golf course this past weekend in a scramble where we have mulligans. This other team wasn't using them. I said, you guys can't take them when you're gone. Same with fab. Like you got to use it. Use it all. Um, I did check. Bassett is scheduled to two start next week. Just keep oh, that wow. in mind. 
if he's available. At least Rotowire's got him. I know they. I heard rumblings about it. That's why he's traveling. He's going to throw mm. a bullpen in Kansas City. They have him scheduled to pitch twice next week. We'll see. Also, if you're looking ahead, just doing a quick scan, everybody except the Marlins and Mets play six games the final week of the season. They all have at least one day off. Marlins and Mets have a doubleheader against each other, so it's two seven-inning games, like mm. six-and-a-half games kind of. So keep that in mind if you're looking to maximize at bats or whatnot, or you might get some rando pitchers coming out in those messes, or the Mets face the Marlins for like four games. So there's probably a pitcher you could stream in that scenario. So keep that in mind as well. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll be back to you guys next week to keep breaking things down and get you ready. And before you know it, I saved those questions about some other 2022 draft stuff that are a lot longer than our top 15. We'll dive into those in the next couple – in about two more weeks. Give us, give us three more weeks. Give us three more weeks. And then we'll get going hard into your 2022. Let's, let's wrap up this season and finish strong. Check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BD Intric. Another episode of Bubba and the BatFlip in the books. Catch you guys later. better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.